This is We Need to Talk About Sam, a podcast where a Supernatural superfan and a Supernatural newbie discuss every single episode of the hit CW show. This week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episodes 3 and 4, Dead in the Water and Phantom Traveler. I'm Kenzie. I'm Haley. And we need to talk about Sam. This is our first double episode. Um, yeah. I'd actually, like, planned a bunch of double episodes, but if everything... <laughs> if we have more <laughs> more episodes like uh, last week, uh, where I talk way too much... Um, I feel like we had a lot to say about the last episode. Yeah, episode. yeah. I feel like Wendigo has a surprising... I was genuinely surprised how much Sam stuff I found in that episode. Um but we're doubling up this week because both Dead in the Water and Phantom Traveler are pretty standard Monster of the Week episodes, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Dead in the Water's got a good amount of Dean stuff in it. But it's it's a much more Dean-centric episode, and then Phantom Traveler doesn't have much meta plot at all. Mm-mm. You know? Yeah. They do, they do, which is funny because that's the one where they end up moving the the Find Dad story further. Yeah. Just a couple steps, but it's, like, only at the very, very, at, like, the last two minutes of the episode. So, should we get started on Dead in the Water? Yeah. What did you think about Dead in the Water overall? Hmm. Not my, one of my favorite episodes this season, but it was alright. Yeah. You yeah. say three episodes into the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already seen all of season yeah, one. Yeah, she has. So. She's seen it all the way through. So this is just a recap. I've almost seen all the way through season three so far. Yeah. I think we have, what, two more? Three more? I think it's... No! Two more? I think it's three more. Because Ghostfacers is 313, right? Hmm. That's the last one you watched? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that, yeah. So, she has three more episodes of season three. But... Yeah, I'd say Dead in Water's not a bad episode, but it's just, you know, it's standard Monster of the Week fair. I mean, it, it, I would imagine that Dean girls might have better, more appreciation for this episode than Sam girls do, because it is a very Dean-heavy episode, um, and we get some good insights into Dean's character, uh, through his interactions with Lucas and stuff like that, so... There is that, um, which I'm a Sam girl, but I always do enjoy. I do, I do like Dean. Sometimes I want to, you know, whack him upside the head because he's being mean <laughs> to his brother. But I like Dean. <laughs> I like Dean. He's funny. I like Dean. He makes me laugh. <laughs> he he's so funny. Jensen does comedy really well. Jared says he doesn't do comedy that well, but Jared can be fucking hilarious. Oh yeah. Jared, honest to God, Jared's the of the two of them, like, Jared's the more, like, classically comedic, the one that you expect to be funny, because he's the gigantic goofball, and Jensen's, like, the kind of, like, sneak comedian, like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) They play off each other really well. It's great. Well, the recap for Dead in the Water is, you know, standard, nothing too special, 
from the previous episode. I think this is the first time we hear the um, saving people, hunting things, family business line within the recap. I, it will not be the last. <clears throat> that line shows up a lot. <clears throat> well, that spiked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah, but jumping into <laughs> the episode, we get a, a classic cold open where we meet the Carlton family. Sophie Carlton is getting ready for a swim. Um, and her brother says, guys don't like buff girls. And my response was, okay, but girls like buff girls. So, you know, it's <laughs> the truth. And also said, who says I care what guys think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is um, Kripke in his, let me find it, I know I have it open, in his um, the, the, the tweet that I've mentioned before where he uploaded some pages of early, early Supernatural documents with early episode synopses. Um, he has an episode of Synopsis for Dead in the Water. Um, originally, this episode is set in Lake Champlain, which actually does have a sea creature yeah. legend surrounding it. I think his name's Champ. Champ, yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. So, uh, in upstate New York. It's our own version of Nessie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a, I feel like there's another lake that also has a monster in. Probably. But I don't remember. Um, uh, in the original plot, or in the original synopsis, we open with the boy and a girl, the girl get, or the boy gets pulled under, and then the girl gets pulled under. Um, he calls it the paranorm Paranormal Jaws episode, hmm. uh, about the dark unknown thing beneath the calm waters. Lake Champlain has suffered a rash of drownings over several decades. Authorities attribute the deaths to cold spots and strong undercurrents, but there are those who believe something else is responsible so I wonder why they decided to switch locations. Yeah, I wonder. Well, if I remember correctly, um, something else was like later on. No, but something that I did make a note of was the lake in this episode is Lake. Uh, where did it go? No, I made a note of it. Lake. God, what's it called? Apparently I didn't make a note of it. No, I know I made a note of it. I don't remember the name. I cannot find it in my notes. Oh my god. Oh, here it is. No, that's not it. Huh, okay. Let me... Yeah, I'm gonna have to find it. Um... So, here it is. Dead in the water. There's the super wiki. Trivia. Okay, here it is. So, um, found, found the thing. Something, something that I noticed, um, while doing research was that, and while reading through, um, the original synopsis for Wendigo, originally Wendigo was set in Minnesota. Um, and like specifically Manitowoc, Minnesota, but it was moved to Colorado. Um, 
and Dead in the Water was originally set in at Lake Champlain, New York, but was moved to uh, up Manitowoc in Wisconsin. So not Minnesota, but Wisconsin. But it's the same, like, name, which I find interesting. But there is no actual Lake Manitowoc in Wisconsin. There is a Lake Manitowoc, uh, a city named Manitowoc and Manitowoc County. So, which is obviously what the inspiration for the the names in the episode are. What I find interesting is Manitowoc comes from the Native American word Mundok, I think is how you say that, which means a home of the good spirit, which is... Not how I would describe. <laughs> not how I would describe the ghost in this episode. No, <laughs> yeah. Not. yeah, I mean, he is just a kid, but spoilers. <laughs> child. But yeah, so we get we get our opening, our little opening sequence, our cold open, where Sophie Turner or so, Sophie Turner. Wow. Where Sophie Carlton goes swimming. <laughs> Shush! <laughs> Been on your mind. <laughs> oh yeah, she's a real person, huh? <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> Famous actress. Yeah, Game guess what? Guess what I haven't seen? <laughs> Game of Thrones? Yes. Have you, you haven't seen any of it? No! We should do a separate podcast. And do oh god. Game of Thrones. Duh! Oh. Babe. I would like that. Maybe, maybe <laughs> after I graduate. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Um. So Sophie girl goes out into the lake for her morning swim, and uh, is pulled under, and we get a really kind of funky slow motion shot. Did you notice this? The slow motion shot of the waves after she goes under. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know why they do it. A little weird choices of cgi and things <laughs> yeah it's a strange slow motion shot <laughs> but that's, i think that's when we get our splash screen is it i don't remember splash screen the episode title what's it called splash? oh <laughs> you're making a drowning joke <laughs> i'm making a water joke but yeah yeah it's 10 30 at night I'm tired. Alright, so we cut to the Linwood Inn. And I only know that it's called Linwood Inn because I made a note next to what song is playing, which is What a Way to Go by Jesse Turnbow. Um, so, and we get Dean sitting at a table in, like, the, the Inn's cafe. Uh, he circles, I think it's Sophie's obituary mm-hmm. in the paper. Um, and then a waitress comes around and asks if he wants anything else. And this pen shot is iconic within the fandom. Really? The shot of Dean with the pen in his mouth. Why? Oh, yeah. Why do you think? Because Jensen Ackles has lips that should be illegal. <laughs> You're talking to a lesbian. So. I, yes. Okay. The bi girl is talking to the lesbian about how hot a man is. Jensen Ackles has lips of sin. <laughs> so yeah yeah so that scene is a classic it's a staple among the fangirls so i'm a sam girl and i even can i can appreciate that scene so uh but this is of course when sam butts in 
and this is pretty, this is a, a part of their dynamic that, uh, Dean wants to flirt with the girls and Sam is like, dude, we've got a job to do. Stop it. Yeah. Chloe, what are you doing? She wants to be closer. She's like, what's this? I don't know what you She's were very on. cute. I don't know either. Chloe. Um. They ignore mommy. <laughs> but Dean found a case and Sam wants to uh, keep looking for their dad. Um, this is something that I kind of found interesting, was that Dean went from being the most concerned about finding John in the pilot um, to uh, the least concerned. Um, not to say that he doesn't want to still find his dad. It's just that I think now he knows that he knows that John is alive he knows he's, that he's John is hunting, yeah, yeah, he knows that John is hunting the thing that killed their mother, it's like, he knows, he, even if he doesn't know specifically where John is, he knows that he's okay, at least, for now. And he's not and alone anymore. He's and he's Sam. not alone anymore, yeah, he's got Sam with him, Dean needs his family to function, so, he needs to know they're uh, at least alive, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> but Dean has found the case. Um, I did not take as good of notes on this episode as I thought I did. So I still take better notes than I do. I'll get better with practice. Dean has found a case, the drowning of Sophie. Uh she's the third drowning victim in the last year, whose body has not been recovered from the lake. Which is uh, you know, kinda creepy. Um, I may, <laughs> I may have researched what happens to dead bodies in water <laughs> for later in this episode. <laughs> so the fact that the body disappears is obviously like bodies don't just disappear. Yeah. So it is concerning. So the boys go. Yeah. Yeah. So the boys drive to Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Uh, and this, this is where they pose as Ford and Hamill, which I, <laughs> I love. I like the nice, uh, oh. go back to their kind of inspirational character. Yeah. Chloe, what are you doing? She's like on top of the book. Chloe. Because she likes to sit on yep. what she feels like is important. <laughs> I'm literally poking her and she's not moving. It's okay. She's busy licking her foot. <laughs> she's a pain in the ass. So, but yeah, um, the boys, like, driving at slash arriving at Lake Manitowoc, the, there's a music change there. Originally, it was Round and Round by Rat, but it was changed to All the Way by J.D. Bradshaw for Netflix, so. Hmm. But we get the boys posing as, what are they posing as? Wildlife? Fish and Wildlife Services? Or something like that? Um... Remember, with the names Ford and Hamill, which is great, very not obvious at all. <laughs> um, and we meet our sheriff of the episode. I think his name is Sheriff Devin. Um, well, I don't think we meet him yet. We meet the boys. Meet Will Carlton. That's where they go first. Oh yeah, yeah. They go to the Carlton's house and they meet Will Carlton. 
Um, Sophie's brother. Yeah, and he they he answers some questions about how she was a really strong swimmer. She'd been swimming since she was really little. Um, she was honestly like the best. I think he says like she was the best swimmer he knew, but like, you know, she was more at home in that lake and yeah, you know, as she was in would be in her own bathtub. Um, or I think he says she was as safe in that lake as she would be in a bathtub, which I hmm. noted uh, that people drown in bathtubs, but the inspiration is, uh, uh, or the the sentiment is understood. <laughs> which yeah. it's also a uh, a pl- I feel like it's a little bit of a planting for what almost happens to Andrea at the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, that is very true. So are you safe in your bathtub? <laughs> as long as you're so smart about it, you should be me fine. Think. <laughs> as long as there's no ghost kids around, you're good. <laughs> Not any vengeful ghost child spirits. Yeah, yeah. So the boys ask if they can talk to Will Carlton's dad, but he he's like all torn up. Yeah. And it's been bothered a lot by, you know, investigators already. I wrote that someone made a reference to the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, did they? Yeah, I said, Dean pretends to huff about the Loch Ness Monster, but passes a meaningful look to Sam. <laughs> it's like, I didn't catch that. We shouldn't rule that out. <laughs> the looks, <laughs> basically the look yeah. that he gave him. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They're little silent conversations they have. I love when they do that. Um, and I, yeah. I also noticed a, scent, a piece of dialogue that doesn't make any sense. I think something probably got changed or something, because Will Turner or Will Turner good lord <laughs> we got Sophie and Will Turner <laughs> uh, okay um, Will Carlton asks, what do you think's out there and Dean responds with we'll let you know as soon as we do which doesn't make sense well, they don't know what it is yet well, but He's, I well, I guess it does. I guess a little bit. Like we'll let you know what we think as soon as we know. But just the way he words it doesn't. It made me go what? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but this is when they go to the sheriff's office, though. Um, they they go. We meet Sheriff Devin, who is you know gonna be a fairly important role yeah. in this episode. Who's that actor who plays him? I don't remember. Daniel Hugh Kelly. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I do know that I've seen the actress who plays his daughter elsewhere, though. Um, because we also meet his daughter, Andrea Barr, who's played by Amy Acker, who I adore. Um, I loved her in Person of Interest. But yeah, we meet we meet Amy or not Amy, um, Andrea, and her son Lucas, who is mute due to trauma, which is a thing that actually happens. Um, and we will learn is actually something that we'll learn uh, in a few episodes is actually something that happened to Dean when his mom died. Hmm. Or I don't maybe we don't learn yeah. it. I don't know if we learn it in the show. It's mentioned. I think it's mentioned in. Uh, John's journal, like the the published book that you can buy, that 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 one. What are my words doing? So <laughs> the published the published uh, John's journal that like was written and released by the CW, 
makes reference to Dean not speaking for a long time after Mary's death, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's ever mentioned in the show. But I do find it interesting that mm-hmm. that, that um, Dean, you know, went through a period of select of muti- uh, trauma related mutism. Is that the right word? Mutage. Uh, Mutage. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, just like Lucas. So. Like, I always like when uh, Dean tries to bond with kids. It's always awkward and very cute. It's adorable. And he does <laughs> he does a pretty good job bonding with Lucas. He does a good job. Um, let me find... I feel like his, um comment that kids are strong you'd be surprised what they can deal with yeah it's like a reference to him and sam yeah yeah dean references his own trauma a lot in this episode so but the the boys do more research um and they learn that uh six other people have disappeared in lake manitok over the last 35 years and not only that but Earlier the year that the episode set in, um, Lucas witnessed his father drowning, which is, if that ain't traumatizing, I don't know what the fuck is. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I don't know if I, Dean, Dean says something, um, when they're talking about, you know, Lucas watching his dad die, he says, watching one of your parents die isn't something you just get over. Which has always been one of those things that makes me think Dean saw more the night Mary died than mm. he'll ever admit. The boys decide that they, or at least Dean decides, I think, that they they want to talk to Lucas and Andrea some more. And they find him at the park. Lucas is drawing by himself. Um, I did make a note. You can see a dark, swirly drawing, like, on the stack of finished art pieces that he's got on the bench next to him. Um, and later in the episode, we'll actually see him drawing another one of those dark, swirly things. Hmm. Um, so, but Dean decides to go talk to Lucas while Sam talks to Andrea. Um, this is the first time that Dean really starts to kind of connect with Lucas. You know, he talks about how... He, he understands what it's like to see something that most people wouldn't even believe. Um, and he draws a little stick figure family. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so cute. It's adorable. I like Dean's little stick figure family. It's about as good a drawing I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I haven't done art in a while. Um, but... Uh, Lucas isn't doesn't seem to be responding, so Dean leaves him with the, the little drawing of his family uh, and goes back to where Sam and Andrea are, and while they're talking about, you know, uh, about her husband's death, about her dad, Lucas comes over and he gives Dean the a drawing. picture of the Carlton house, which, as we'll later learn, but he gives him a drawing of a red house with, like, green windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and the boys, so the boys have their first, like, clue, I guess, as <laughs> to where to start looking. Uh, but this is when we get Will Carlton's death. Um, 
My question was who sticks their hand in the sink full of murky water because that's exactly what he does. <laughs> well, he was trying to unplug it. I, it's honest to God, when there's something, like, plugging my sink, I'll, like, take, I'll get, like, a long knife, like, one of my long, um, sharp knives from my set, or, like, my scrub brush from my dishes, and, like, put it down to the bottom, and use that to, like, try to push down or hook up whatever is clogging the sink. Because I will not stick my hand in water that I cannot see where my hand is going. Probably smart, given this episode. <laughs> Since the guy dies because he stuck his head, hand in murky water? Yeah. Something I did know is I, the underwater shots of Will drowning make the sink look larger than it actually is. Which is saying something because it's a pretty big sink. I mean, a grown man's head and both shoulders. Uh, and I think both arms like fit inside of it. So I was one. I had just wonder if that was done on purpose, to hint that like they're, like as like a, a representation of the vastness of the actual lake, or mm. if it's just a result of how they filmed it. It's probably the latter. It's probably just a. Chloe's like stuck on the cord. <laughs> there you go. There you go, baby. <laughs> Don't look so offended. That was your own fault. <laughs> so offended she got her her um leg caught on one side of the the heated blanket cord and then like couldn't move <laughs> and looked, looked at me like so offended it was um, all my fault but yeah is this i think this is the boys come back I think I do think the boys go back to the Carlton house after Will dies. Yeah, they go back to the Carlton house after Will dies, and they talk, they talk to, to Bill Carlton, but he doesn't like give them anything. He just says that losing his children is worse than dying. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam's soft earnestness when talking to like witnesses and victims is so sweet. Yeah, I love it. That's one of the things I love about Sam. This- <laughs> so but then Dean realizes that the house in the picture that Lucas gave him is uh, the Carlton house so they decide that they need to go talk to Lucas again which Andrew's a little apprehensive about understandably a bunch of or a couple of strangers want to talk to your kid who doesn't talk <laughs> again again <laughs> so but this is when we get uh, another, I think you can also see a, a dark swirly drawing in this scene among like the the pictures that Lucas has drawn. You can see another one where he's just like drawn a bunch of dark spirals over and over like a scribbled spiral. Do they ever really explain how he has this connection with the ghost? Um, Sam kind of theorizes, but they don't ever really fully explain it. Yeah, that's no. what I was thinking. I don't think it's necessarily connected with the ghost. I don't know. I don't well, know. To be I'm able trying to, to decide. Interpret the ghost's actions and I don't know. his next target. And... I don't think he's necessarily interpreting his next card target. I think he's just... Well, he knew something was going to happen to his mom before it happened to her. He tried to warn Dean ahead of time, remember? He did. I think he just knew something bad was going to happen. But I don't know. We'll talk about that more when we get to that because Sam 
talks about it a little bit, and I had some thoughts about it. But in the meantime, Dean gets another picture from Lucas. Dean also, like, Jensen pulls out all the stops. He gets to really go for it in this scene, talking about, you know, his mom's death a little bit and stuff. And I think this it's a really powerful scene. It's Sam's in the doorway the whole time, too. Yeah, it's like I said that Sam probably realizes for the first time, but Dean saw more of what happened to their mom than he might have originally thought he did. Yeah, yeah, which I I think would make sense because from what we gathered from like the first episode, um, Dean and John didn't talk very mm-hmm. much about Mary. Yeah, you know that's that's kind of what's implied. It because when Sam brings her up, Dean's like, "Don't talk about her," you know, mm-hmm. like. That's not very healthy. So if they don't talk about Mary, of course they don't talk about the night she died. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot that Sam just doesn't know simply because he was way too young to ever remember that. Mm-hmm. So, but Lucas gives Dean a new picture um, of a uh, a white church with a yellow, I think it's a two-story yellow house. And there's a boy with a red bicycle in front of the house. Uh, so that's their next clue. They go off on a drive. That's where I mean, it seemed like Lucas has some connection. Like, he knows who it is. Yeah, because Sam talks about it. He says, Sam, I think the quote that I specifically wrote down is, um, Sam says that going through a traumatic experience, good lord, <laughs> Okay, Sam says that going through a traumatic experience could make someone more sensitive to premonitions, psychic tendencies, hmm. which uh, I made a note of potential foreshadowing. Um, but I, they never really specifically say, did Lucas have some kind of vision? Yeah, Is never, it just a vibe? Never fully did the ghost that. tell him? I don't think it's fully, I don't think it's a connection to the ghost, necessarily. Um, I don't know, it may be the ghost manipulating him a little in some way and that might be possible because lucas is a child yeah but yeah they never explained it um in tune to supernatural definitely definitely are beings (laughs) yeah so the boys find the white church because let's be real white churches are easier to find than common two-story suburban homes (laughs) um and they meet, um, what's her name? I don't remember. They meet, uh, I guess she doesn't have a name. <laughs> they meet this old lady, um, and when they ask if a boy wearing a cap and with a red bicycle lives in her house, she says not for a long time, and they learn about, she tells them about her son, Peter, who... Oh, you're just yawning. Okay, I thought you were sneezing for some reason. No. <laughs> Her son, Peter, disappeared 35 years ago without a trace um, and was never seen again. And she specifically says that losing her son was worse than is worse than dying, which is a, a little bit on the nose. <laughs> just a tad. Well, it's the same thing as the dad says. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's a little on the nose. Yeah. Because they specifically really draw attention to it. Um earlier in the episode and then they're like here it is again look so it's a bit on the nose but it gets the job done um and then the the boys 
right, Dean f sees a picture of Peter with a young Bill Carlton, and they decide, or they think that Bill may have killed Peter and killed, why did I say his name that way? <laughs> Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> they think Bill killed Peter. <laughs> so they decide Peter. to go back to his house. Back to Bill's house and confront him, I guess, because they think the thing in the lake is a spirit. <laughs> it's really funny, though, because Sam's like, what if it's a, what if, you know, Bill Carlson killed Peter Sweeney and now Peter's spirit wants revenge? And Dean says, it's possible. Like, that's not exactly where vengeful spirits come from. Like, Dean, my dude. <laughs> or the fact that this theme happens many, many times. The, the, the fact that this is, this is a regular... Uh, formula for an episode. <laughs> All the salting and burning the ghosts. So many ghosts. <laughs> so many salt burns. But the boys go back to the Carlton house. And they get there. Just in time to see Bill Carlton go out onto the lake on his boat. And they're trying to stop him. With, well, obviously there's no stopping him because he's way out there, but... He's basically trying to... Appease the spirit, I guess. Yeah, the boat gets like shot into the lake, up into the air, and flipped, and Bill vanishes underwater. It's very dramatic. So, but this is when things kind of fall apart for them, huh? Mm hmm. Um, I love when the boys get caught by cops. I love it. I think it's real fun. It adds some fun drama. It happens a lot. <laughs> and it happens a lot less than you'd think it would. Really? Yeah. The boys, obviously, they have to report Bill Carlton's death, so we cut to the sheriff's office, mm -hmm. where they are uh, discussing what happened with the sheriff. Well, they see Lucas first, I think. Lucas and Andrea. Andrea, like, brought her dad dinner. Yeah. And Lucas is freaking out. Oh, yeah. the sheriff is like... Well, the sheriff's freaked out. He's like, weave. Because someone just died, and he wants, he knows that they're not actually fish and wildlife. Mm-hmm. But Lucas is freaking out for some reason that he can't communicate. So, um, I just, I still can't decide if he's, like, a, I don't think he's had, like, a vision, but it's entirely possible maybe he had some sort of vision. I don't know. He knows something's going on. He definitely on. knows, yeah. Yeah, but they never really explain. No. They don't. How he knows. Huh. I don't know. He's clearly trying you to communicate know. something with Dean. But. Yeah, yeah. So, but the boys get confronted by the sheriff. And he knows who they are, or that they're not who they say they are, and he wants them to leave town. He, he finds it very suspicious that they uh, arrived at the Carlton house just in time to see Bill Carlton vanish into the lake to never be seen again. Like, that's he thinks that's weird, and the only reason they're getting away with it is because a neighbor saw Bill Carlton take his boat out, too. Mm. But. The. Um, so the boys decide to go, because it's better to leave than to be arrested. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. They decide to turn around. Dean decides to turn around, and I don't. Sam doesn't really get it, but I think. Sam, I don't, I don't know why Sam, let me, let me start that thought over. Sam seems a little confused why Dean's turning around, but, like, it makes sense, I think, for Dean. 
Yeah. Um, so he's worried about Lucas. He's worried about Lucas. He he knows. I think he, he can sees tell. himself in Lucas a little he bit. He definitely does. Um, he relates much more than Sam does to what Lucas has gone through. So, and he, he like, he connected to the kid. He can tell something's wrong. Mm-hmm. He can tell something's bothering him. So he's got to, you know, he's not just going to abandon him. Gotta make sure everything's okay. Uh, and then I said, time for the naked woman almost drowns in the bathtub scene. <laughs> because if yep. you've got a gorgeous actress, why not take advantage of that? <laughs> So, I also had, I wrote a whole little paragraph about why is the water in the tub so high and still running? Yeah. Like, well, I, I did. that, like, thing that, like, there is. It. There is. And I, I still don't feel like it would be, d- be able to do it that fast, based on how yeah, much water yeah. she's pouring into the tub. I don't, I don't know <laughs> how she can have the water basically all the way up to the edge and still be running water and have also, it not why overflow. why has she not turned it off? I yeah. Guess. I don't understand. Yeah. Is that a thing that people do? I don't know. Like, tubs have second drains on on, like, older style tubs. I did a little bit of Googling because I was... wasting so much water. I was, you know... Maybe she's just trying to keep the water warm. I don't know. Um, I did a little bit of Googling, and it seems on older style tubs, the the second drain is closer, is higher up and closer to the faucet than on more modern tubs where it's, like, halfway up the tub wall, Hmm. you know? Um, I feel like, like, older tubs are much deeper than modern tubs are. Yeah, they are. So, but it's still, it's a lot of water, and it's not overflowing, and I don't understand. <laughs> like, it makes for some great shots, you know, and it makes, I I know, in order to keep her covered with the water, yeah, they had to keep like have the water that high in order to get like the shots they wanted and how and like maintain her modesty. But still, I don't get why the water's running. But it is. Why is the water still running? <laughs> I guess. Cause... I guess so. The the ghost can get in. Yeah. So you <laughs> can the watch ghost... the water like. Um, so you can get that dramatic shot of the murky. water turning really gross. That's the, probably why they did the, it. The ghost turned on the sink at the Carlton's house. Did it? Didn't it? Or did it just plug it? I guess the water was already running, huh? Yeah. I yeah, so. I guess. So they need her to leave the the water on so that <laughs> they the need her to leave the water on, in. and they needed it high enough to hide her modestly, I guess. And so that's why we got that weird. As a result, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the physics of this bathtub. Uh. <laughs> so, um, this is when the boys arrive just in time. Oh, she gets pulled under, and then we get Lucas. We get a we get a dramatic scene of a naked woman fighting an unseen creature in the water. I which, think... honest to God, she did a really good job with. Because I cannot imagine how difficult it would be to act that scene out. So she did a really good job. I said, "Wow, that's some strong water." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get Lucas banging on the door, uh, and then Poor this Lucas. is when the boys arrive. Yeah, um, and. You know they had to have Sam Saver, because if Dean did it, it would have been too much. If you can't have the guy who's physically attracted to and interested in being with the woman save the woman when she's naked in a bathtub. It's a bit too far. <laughs> so now the kid's going to be traumatized to seeing his mom naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor kid's been through a lot. Poor kid's been through so much. So, 
but I genuinely, you, you cannot not be impressed with uh, Sam Winchester. He beat the oh. strong water. <laughs> he beat. <laughs> Good lord. Lord, so itch in my throat. Not like asthma itch, but like a you know, like I inhaled a fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Um. But yeah, we get Sam saves Andrea. Almost called her Amy again. So, and then we cut to the morning. I guess it's morning now. And. Sam's being uh, his sweet, empathetic self, interviewing Andrea and asking, like, what she saw, what she heard. Did she hear? She heard the kids say, come play with me, right? Didn't she? I think she did. Did she? I think she did. Let oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she says that. She's like, I heard someone say, come play yeah, with me. Yeah, she heard a voice in the water say, come play with me. Which is Although we creepy. don't hear that. No. Or not in the water. <laughs> True. So, Dean, meanwhile, is going through her photo albums. Yeah. For some reason. Some reason. <laughs> uh, and he finds a picture um, of Peter that includes Peter in it uh, and Bill Carlton and asks if <laughs> he recognizes anyone funny. in the picture. And she asked, do you recognize any of these kids? And I added on, from way before you were even thought of. Because why would she know who these kids are? <laughs> I mean, she, like, obviously she recognizes her dad. But it's, and it's probably only because he's been, he was, like, like, once upon a time, like, hey, look, there's me, you know? Himself like, out, yeah. it's, it's weird. So, but they discover that um, Andrea's dad, the sheriff, um was good one not only was he good friends with Bill Carlton, which I think something that was previously established, but he also knew Peter Sweeney at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So now they have because they, they thought the ghost was gone because it got Bill Carlton, it got the whole Carlton family, but now they're realizing that it may have been still after someone else. More than just Bill Carlton. Yeah. Um, and this is when Lucas leads them to the rusty old bike in the dirt, which Rusty old bikes scare me a little bit. Like They're they creepy. creep me out. Yeah. Um. Once upon a time, I used to have a friend who lives in. She used to live in Utah, and then she moved to just outside of Seattle. Um. And the spring break after she moved, I flew up there to like stay for spring break and hang out with her. And one of the days we went for a hike on like the trail that like the trailhead was at the end of her street. Mm-hmm. And so we went for a hike up this trail, and we found a bike that was like a modern bicycle. Like, it was a very modern bicycle, at least as far as I could tell. But it was all rusty and gross. Um, and it was inside a tree. Like, it had been parked next to the tree, and the tree had grown around it. But this was like a full-size tree. Wow. It was the creepiest thing. We immediately <laughs> turned around and went home. It was so that fucking creepy. Oh my god. That's weird if it was a modern one, too. Yeah. Trees don't grow fast. <laughs> yeah. It freaked me out. This That's was, weird. like, 2012, I think. Huh. So, like, eight years ago. I can do math. <laughs> eight. Yeah, eight. <laughs> nine really years, eight ago. years ago. Good lord. It's 2021. Okay. So, nine years ago, oh I gosh, guess. It's my 10-year high school reunion this year. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm my five-year would yeah. have been last year, but I didn't go to my five year one, but I might go to my ten year one. I don't know if they did anything. 
You gotta go with me. Uh huh. Okay. You gotta show off my girlfriend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me know when it is. It'll be the summer if it ends yeah. up happening. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the boys dig up a bike, and this is of course when the sheriff comes shows up, and they confront him. Uh oh. Oh no. We can finish this episode and take a break and get Excuse my charger. Me. Okay. The boys confront the sheriff and after some back and forth the truth comes out that Bill and Peter and the sheriff were all friends. Um but they always picked on Peter because he was the smallest, which is mean. Yeah. That's mean. Okay, don't bully you can't bully a kid and then say you're friends. Like that's mean. Um, and no. they were playing a prank on him, I have some sorts, and they held his head underwater, and they held him under a little too long, and he drowned. And then they let the body go, and it sank, which I was like, at first I was like, would that happen? So I did, this is where I did some, uh, some research on what happens to bodies in water. <laughs> they do actually sink, initially, upon entering the water, hmm. uh, but they will, this is something that I was aware of, that I that's why I did some research, because I was like, don't they float at some point? Um, so while bodies will sink uh, upon initially being placed in water, they will actually float to the surface again once decomposition reaches a certain point, because there's a buildup of gases within the body that makes it buoyant. Hmm. Um, but once um, decomposition passes another certain point, those gases are, like, released, and the body fills with water, and will sink again. Hmm. So, yeah, so you would have thought that someone would have found Peter's body, because it would float at some point, and, but apparently not. It makes it odd that they weren't able to find any of the other bodies, either. Well, that's because he's a ghost. Yeah. I think. I know, but, like, generally speaking. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the body would some be... suspicion. Yeah. That something supernatural was happening. <laughs> At least you didn't say not natural. <laughs> uh, and this is where we get a, I made a creepy children are creepy note again. Creepy drowned Peter is creepy. <laughs> well, because this is when Lucas, like, goes down to the lake. Um. Oh, wow. I misspelled something. So, Lucas is heading towards the lake. And everyone starts running. You say really fucking fat? <laughs> no, I said fact. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note that Jensen Ackles runs really fast. He is a very good runner. Um, I don't remember what episode. There's an episode in season five where he runs, like, Dean-esque, like, run for his life, basically. And they had to tell him to run slower because he was outstripping the stuntmen. <laughs> to the point where, like, it was just, it was making the shot pointless. Because he was just totally too fast. too fast. He's a fast dude. Oh, my God. I also made the note that I loved when the boys wear hoodies. I think, I feel like that's for after they saved the kid. And not during this scene. <laughs> Uh, wow. I have lots of little dumb notes, but they are accusing the grandpa and he pulls a gun on him. Oh, yeah, that's sheriff. earlier. That's before he tells the truth about what happened. Yeah. He doesn't back pull a gun on them. And his daughter convinces him to not shoot them. Yeah, and tell him what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. explain. But I'm, I'm all the way down where um, Lucas goes into the lake. Yeah. Which is scary. Yeah. 
Oh. But yeah, Sam and Dean dive in, and they do. They both do some excellent dives, says the person who doesn't even swim. Um, well, I did make the remark that I like how Sam and Dean always seek justice for the victims. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, they're there hunting the things and whatever, but they are also like trying to have help them get like a some yeah. peace. Well, and- and especially, especially with ghosts. People that wrong to them. Yeah, especially with ghosts. When it's just a monster, when it's just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a Wendigo or a... Uh, like, if they are facing a werewolf or something, Vampire. you know? Something that's not human. Um, Demon. They, they are less about justice and more about just kill the monster. But mm-hmm. when it's a ghost they do seem they do care a little more about you know at least knowing the story which i like i i like knowing the stories of the ghosts too but uh lucas goes into the lake and sam and dean dive in after him and they can't find him um which i think i this is the point i think lucas has some kind of ability to hide because the boys can't find him they can't. They can't find Lucas when Peter has him. Did I say Lucas has some kind of ability? Yeah, I meant Peter. I was very confused for a minute. I'm like, why would you be trying <laughs> to looked, hide? He looks confused, and that's why I realized I said <laughs> something he's drowning, wrong. He doesn't want to be hiding. <laughs> I think Peter has some kind of ability. Well, he's to like turn other things invisible, hmm. at least within the water. That would explain why the bodies disappeared. Hmm. And why the boys can't see Lucas upon, like, entering the lake. Yeah. Um, but this is where the sheriff saves the day and sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. And redeems himself a little bit. Yeah. Because he was kind of a dick most of the episode. <laughs> he was. <laughs> but he was a dick who loved his grandson enough to give his own life, which is, you know... I feel like that's a very grandpa thing. For sure. I don't know. I said, I said, what's with that shot of this sheriff going down? It looked like he was, like, waving at the camera. Yeah, I wonder how they did that. It was, like... Probably some CGI thing. I don't know. I didn't really pay attention to it. <laughs> so, but then we get a very dramatic shot of Dean... Uh, coming out of the water. Coming out of the water <laughs> with Lucas. It's a great shot. It really is. So and it made it look like they maybe didn't save the kid in that first shot after the commercial break. But thankfully they did. Yeah. 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 Lucas is alive. He's good. So, because um, something the boys mentioned earlier in the episode is if a ghost is after revenge and it satisfies its revenge, the ghost will, you know, go away on its own. You, they don't have to worry about burning a body. Or burning a, an object or whatever, you know? Yeah. Because the ghost will... not a vengeful if, spirit anymore. Yeah, if a ghost pen, purpose is vengeance and the vengeance is satisfied, the ghost has no purpose and will go to wherever ghosts go. So. But then we go to, I guess, the motel. They're, like, loading up outside the motel. I don't really know where they are. Yeah. In this shot. Let me, Some parking lot. Let's see if the wiki says. And that just says that they're preparing to leave. It doesn't say where they are. I guess they're outside the motel. That would make sense. Yeah. 
Um, it said all Lucas talks. Yeah, Andrea and Lucas, you know, joined them, and they made some sandwiches for the road, which was very <laughs> thoughtful. And uh, I think it's interesting that. I feel like while Dean, like, flirts with Andrea the most, I think Sam's the one who ta- actually talks with her. Yeah. Because he yeah. talked with her while she he went and talked, while Dean went and talked with Lucas yeah. in the park. Sam talked with Andrea. That's right. Dean doesn't while, really talk to her that much um, in that episode. While Dean is creeping through photo albums, Sam talks to Andrea. And while Dean and Lucas are loading the sandwiches into the car... Sam talks with Andrea. And yeah. That's something I just noticed that I, hmm, yeah. it's very interesting because they didn't go for like a romance thing between them, like at all. Yeah. You know, it was just Dean, like they flirted with Andrea a little bit, you know. She shut him down pretty hard too. <laughs> he, has, he like asks for directions to the motel and then is like, uh, can you show us? So he can talk with her more, and then like flirts terribly, and then she's like, uh, "With your sense of direction, it's no wonder you can't wait find your way to a good pickup line or something like that." <laughs> that. <laughs> that's the that's right before the the little bit where Sam's like, "Dude, what are you talking like you, you know you don't you don't like kids?" And Dean's like, "What are you talking about? I love kids." And Sam's like, "Name one kid that you know." And Dean, like, is quiet for a second, and Sam's like, see? And Dean's like, I'm thinking! <laughs> he doesn't know any kids. That's the thing. Dean doesn't know any children. So. Oh, we get, we get a, a little um... suspicious. A <laughs> <laughs> well, little bit. We get a, a Zeppelin rules from Lucas. The two episodes in a row where Dean gets kissed. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does get kissed. And Forgot Sam's about that. Yeah. And Sam just being like, Wow. <laughs> Um, I do, I find it, something that's kind of interesting is that, um, Dean's favorite band is Led Zeppelin, um, his favorite two songs are Led Zeppelin songs, they reference Led Zeppelin a lot, they use Led Zeppelin titles as episode titles and stuff like that, but there is not a single Led Zeppelin song in any episode. Huh. I, I, I do think Led Zeppelin makes it notoriously difficult to use their music in TV shows and movies. Very expensive. It's a huge hassle. Definitely not something a CW TV show can (laughs) afford afford to do. Yeah. Yeah. We get a little music moment as the boys drive away. It was originally moving on by Bad Company, but was changed to Late Night Fade. By 383 Stroker for Netflix. So I think both songs are good. I watched both versions. And I think they're both. They both work good. Hmm. It's not really. A lot of times when they change the music. It's not a hugely noticeable thing. Yeah. There's a big. Yeah. Yeah. The music isn't that vital to the plot. But it's more like the mood and effect of a scene. And there is. There's one in the episode Faith that yeah. got changed that I feel like really affects yeah. the the emphasis of the scene. But most of the time when they change the music, it's excited for that episode. That was one of the best it's ones. It's a good episode, season, I think. It's a really good episode, and season one's got some great stuff. Um, it's got some duds, but it's got some good stuff too. 
Yeah. I don't, there are no deleted scenes available on the disc for this one, were there? I don't think so. I don't think so. might have were. been for the next one, but I... I think there are for the next one, but neither of us watched them. <laughs> we can look it up on YouTube real quick, probably. During our little break. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so that is, that's Dead in the Water. Do you have any final thoughts, Steve, that you want to share? We didn't really go much into ghosts, but I guess... It wasn't really it's a specific ghost. Man. Yeah, it's just a vengeful spirit, and they're... We'll learn a little bit more about them as... I feel like everyone knows enough about ghosts in general that we don't really need to spend time on it. Yeah, it's like yeah. like a specific legend or there specific ghosts. There wasn't any new ghost lore established beyond the fact that vengeful spirits... Probably the next ghost we'll get into is Bloody Mary, specifically, because that's the next episode yeah. after Yeah, and Phantom she's Travel. got some real lore. Yeah. I would love to hear if you can find any... Yeah. Real life lore behind Bloody Mary. Yeah, definitely dive into that. Sweet. I'm interested in that. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break because I need to fucking pee. I do too. And my laptop's dying. <laughs> and her laptop's dying. <laughs> but we'll be back after this after- sponsor. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> to get into a phantom traveler yeah yeah what did you think of this episode i liked this one i like it too it's a really good episode i remember liking it the first time i saw it too yeah i i remember being kind of surprised that they were doing a plane so early on in the show yeah because you know those shots weren't cheap like there's like the CGI shot of the guy flying out the window and yeah. or the door and like we got some janky CGI of the plane. But. Yeah, and you know it wasn't cheap. But <laughs> what's funny is this is the only time we ever do plane stuff like this on the show. Hmm. I think the boys fly one at a time, but we don't see that. And Dean does not like flying. Dean does not like flying. I don't so blame him because I also hate flying. <laughs> I like right. flying. Dean on the plane is me the whole time. I fly every <laughs> single time. I like flying, but I do find the fear of flying very understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a very good episode, and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. We open with. I feel like this is kind of a, a classic film trick of. Like a, do you have like a shot that like of like a beach, or Mm -hmm. and something you know, and then he something comes into the shot or moves or whatever. I actually saw that in Second Jurassic. Yeah, there's one at the very beginning of the Second Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, you get Jeff Goldblum. Camera's gone. Yeah, (laughs) and it turns out that he's standing in front of like a mural on a subway wall. This is like an ad in an airport, and the guy, you know, I think it's, I think it's a fun little. Trick, yeah. you know, must have been a popular trick back in the day. <laughs> I guess, yeah. So we open on a, a with a, a guy. He looks like a business plan businessman. We'll find out later. He's a dentist, and he's on his way to a convention for dentists in Colorado. Uh, he's flying in a suit, which I think is dumb. 
I mean, <laughs> maybe if it's a short trip, you don't have time to change after going I straight guess. to the convention. Maybe that might I be guess, it. but I'm the person who flies in the comfiest clothes I can wear without being just in straight up PJs. So, yeah, you know, he's very clearly a nervous flyer, though. Oh, yeah. Um, he's probably more, even more nervous than I am. <laughs> probably, yeah. This guy's just saying something. This guy's happening right off a day. He, he's our first, it's the first person on the show that we see get possessed by a demon. And the demon effects are going to change. The next time we see them, it's more smoke and less, like, weird particle cloud. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way I could think to describe it. And it goes in through his eyes, but later they'll go in through your in mouth, mouth, which yeah. is, makes more sense. Um, I did ask a question at the beginning, do demons possess the spirit in the weekend? Is that easier for them? And that gets answered kind of later on. It does, yeah. Dean mentions that um, demons will go for vessels that are, yeah, because fear makes you more susceptible to being possessed. So, yeah. But, yeah. So we see our first possession. Uh, And then right after we meet Amanda, who will be important later in the episode, Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a flight attendant. She's very good at her job. She's, she's very. Good. She's got the great, the right personality for she's it. You know, very professional. She's, she's very In professional, calm. right up until the time when Dean punches the co-pilot, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> like I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> they did tell her they were just going to talk to him. He just, she didn't expect him to, you know, punch anyone. So, but we, uh, I don't know why. The guy from the first scene, the guy who gets possessed, gets on the plane, and he flashes his black eyes at Amanda. Doesn't doesn't he? She says later he yeah, had yeah. these eyes. Yeah. And I can't, it kind of looked funny. Though it, was, it didn't entirely look like they were black eyes. I think the way they did it just cool. made it look more like his, like irises, and most of the whites were black, but like you could still see like the actual whites of the actor's eyes. Yeah. So it looks kind of janky. Um, it'll get better when they do it later. It's the first time we see the black eyes. It is the first time we see them. Uh, we also get a dad joke from a demon. We get this twice. We get this goddamn time flies joke twice. The demon is making dad jokes. (laughs) It's better. It's better than the pop culture references they'll make for the rest of the show. But honest to God, yeah, he asks the guy sitting next to him how long is you know how long we've been in the air, and the guy says about forty minutes, and he says time really does fly. What the fuck? <laughs> it's so bad. Um. So yeah, then we get this suspenseful scene of the demon making his way to the back of the plane, making eye contact with another passenger who we will meet again later. Um, and then opening the emergency exit door. Yep. Which is physically impossible for a human to do. Um, I actually did yeah, a Google that's on what this. I was wondering, because I'm like, um, no there one could are, just go up and do that. I don't right? know. I don't know if this is how it worked entirely back in 2005, because like modern planes have added technology and stuff. But as of like 2015, I think is when the article I read was from. Um, Planes not only have the air pressure mm-hmm. that Max mentions later. I think that's his name. Max? Matt? Where is it? 
Tell yeah. Jeremy. No, his name's Max. Well, the kid, the the kid who like the passenger who sees the demon open the door, he mentions that there's a lot of air pressure on the back of, on the door of the plane. Yeah. Which is part of that's that's a part of the safety mechanism for holding that door closed and making sure no one just opens it mid-flight. Yeah. But also, um, in at least modern airplanes, they have a, like, an automatic lock that can only be unlocked by the pilot. Hmm. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if the plane goes down, in order to get that door open, someone has to unlock it from the cockpit. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So that's something, now you know. Uh, we get an exterior shot of the demon getting sucked out the door, which it for it it doesn't look too bad for the know. the fourth episode of a CW show in two thousand five or a WB show in two thousand five. <laughs> Clearly, haven't had the biggest CGI budget. Yeah, though. yeah, with a you know not a very large CGI budget, it looks yeah, it's obviously good. CGI, yeah. but it. If passable and it moves very quickly. So one of the rear wings too. When he goes out the window. Does he? Yeah. Does he hit something? Yeah. I didn't realize he did. The door hits. Oh, the door. Yeah, the door does. Rear. Wow. He doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, the like the tail fin. Yeah. 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 But so it has still been flying fine with the door open. No, because it depressurizes the cabin. Uh, that's what happens. I'm like, they would have to put on their emergency masks for sure. But... Well, the emergency masks pop out. Yeah. In the yeah, I know. the plane crash scene is very well done. Yeah, it is. It's very, very good. Other than the exterior shots. Yeah. I was genuinely, I'm always genuinely surprised at how, or I think I've seen this episode like three or four times now. And I remember inside the plane. No, no, that's I. That was probably a practical done, either with the camera moving a lot, or like in a like a makeshift plane set that they were able to move. It's probably the camera moving, but it looks really good. However, they did it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember being genuinely impressed with how many plane like exterior plane shots we get in this episode because those aren't cheap. Which makes me wonder why they have so many of them when they look so bad. <laughs> they don't look that bad. The ones where the plane's just flying or just crashing aren't too bad. There's one later when, like, the private plane crashes that is, uh, special. <laughs> but, well, yeah. She got tired of me. She did. She got tired of us. Okay. Readjusting. Um. I'm just listening to my baby. Something I noticed... Actually, in this one, which has me wondering where the splash screen was in the first three episodes, is the splash screen comes before the cold open. They do the title before the cold open in this episode, at least on Netflix they do, which is where I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because usually, at least in the later seasons, what we get is the cold open and then mm-hmm. splash screen. Yeah. So, but in this episode, and I guess... For the beginning of the show, it splash screen, then cold open. Hmm. But yeah, something I noticed. I wonder. Interesting. But we cut to a motel room, and we get Sleepy Dean. 
with hair. fluffy hedgehog hair. <laughs> he looks so cute. This is this is one of those like the sleepy Dean look in this scene is one of my favorite Dean looks because he just like he's half awake and his hair is sticking up all over the place. No product. It's really great. I mean, it has some very dramatic music. As Sam comes into the room, it's very. Very. There's like that low, like high string noise, like low, like quiet, but it's like a high pitched stringy sound, as like you like get the pan up Dean's body, and which (laughs) there's someone graphed the curve of Jensen Ackles' ass (laughs) based off that shot. It's a thing that exists in the internet. (laughs) But yeah, we get the slow pan up Dean's body and then we hear like the door open and the lighting changes a little bit. And then the camera moves up to the barrier between the motel beds and the door. And that's when we get like the silhouette of what is obviously Sam, at least in my opinion, is obviously Sam. Yeah, I wasn't fooled for a second. It's very dramatic. (laughs) I like when they have those barriers between the like the doorway of the yeah. motel and the rest of the room. They do that quite a bit because they reuse the same base motel set, hmm. so they redecorate them and like rearrange it and stuff. But the oh, same like the basic set. Yeah. Um, but I like them because a lot of times they're like a like a lattice kind of thing, you know, with like the designs there's like it's a bunch of squares or a bunch of circles and you know or whatever and it makes for fun shots so they uh they get some fun cinematography out of those barriers that i really appreciate and i wish we got more of in the later seasons they kind of taper off after season eight i think yeah probably i think it's season eight yeah so but sam has breakfast and coffee and he's been up since like 5.30. And Dean says, did you sleep? And he says, yeah, I got a few hours. He's like, <laughs> and Dean, you liar. <laughs> Dean's like, dude, I was up at 3 and you were watching infomercials. <laughs> George Foreman. <laughs> yeah, the George Foreman infomercials, which yeah. I love. <laughs> like, it was riveting television. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, Sam's not sleeping. We get a cute little Dean's concerned, but he's trying to play it cool. He's not actually that concerned, but, you know, he's worried about his brother. Mm-hmm. You know? He's asked if he has had more Jess nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, Sam says he is, but he also admits he's having a little bit of trouble with uh, just being back on the job. Yeah. Which I think says a lot about Sam and who Sam is, you know? Not that Dean doesn't care or have those same struggles, it's just that Dean buries him you know more used to it at this point he's much more accustomed to it yeah sam's been out of the life for what two three four years they never really decide um meanwhile dean has this is this is who he is you know he's a hunter this is what he does he's very used to it and he's gotten very good at pushing down whatever's bothering like if you were hunting supernatural beings and you knew this was in the real world you know that would change your outlook on life and yeah make you feel yeah. more insecure and well i don't think it's just that i think it's also just like dealing with the scary stuff they they have to see you know yeah also that like in wendigo 
Dean could have died. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of pure luck that the Wendigo decided to save him for later. Yeah. Well, not pure luck, but, like, because that's how Wendigos work. But, yeah, like, Dean could have died in mm-hmm. that episode. So. They all could almost die a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that's got to be a lot of, a lot of pressure, a lot of trauma. So, but, Dean's playing it tough. Uh, <laughs> Sam, Dean says he's never afraid, and Sam pulls a giant knife out from under his pillow, which is but not in a sheath. <laughs> it's not protected in any way. Like, Dean, how many motel pillows have you ruined? The how giant goddamn knife. You just put your hand on your pillow and cut yourself. How many times have you cut yourself in your sleep? Like, what the f- Dude! <laughs> this is a little dangerous. Oh my god. <laughs> this was when their phone rings, though. <sighs> yes, and they're both and like, they what get... the fuck? <laughs> no it's one calls us. A... Yeah, no one calls that number. Uh, and it turns out to be uh, a guy named Jerry, who Jerry, Dean... Jerry, I was going to say Jeremy. <laughs> uh, name's Jerry. He, he uh, He's from something Pennsylvania. Kittering, I think is how you say it. But I don't know how to spell it, so I didn't put it in my notes. <laughs> he's from Pennsylvania. But John and Dean helped him they got rid of poltergeist for him yeah Uh, i really like the idea of the boys meeting people they've saved in the past because like it it stands to reason that if someone knows the supernatural exists that they would be well but not only that they would be more likely to notice when something weird is going on because they're like "Hmm." people see what they want to see you know people don't they don't go around expecting to see the unusual, but once you know the unusual is out, like, that there's something unusual to look for, you're more likely to see it. I wonder if there's another explanation for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I feel like it would be perfectly, it would make sense for the people that the boys have, you know, helped in the past to be the ones who see supernatural stuff happening uh, and call them. But I don't think that ever really happens again. Which is disappointing. Cause it, I think it's really interesting because we'd also get some fun returning characters that way too. Yeah. but We kind of deal with um, Chloe. Jean's ex-lover in a future episode. Yeah. That yeah, told we her do. About stuff and now she finally believes them. Yeah. But that's less a, he helped him, and that's less a, he helped her, and more, uh, he told her the truth. Yeah. And now weird things are happening, and she doesn't know how to explain them, but I wish, I kind of wish we got to see more characters like Jerry, you know? Yeah. And I like Jerry. I like Jerry, too. I like him. I don't know what his job is, um, but he- Works in the airport. (laughs) He, he does something for- think for Britannica for the air or Britannia how you say it I think he for the airline he's one of those people that like talks on the radio with the pilots do you think that's the impression I got let me that also explains how he might have got access to let me see if the the flight recording you know maybe well not necessarily because if he's just a radio tower operator like he wouldn't let me open this one and this one. I'm seeing if the wiki knows what he does. <laughs> the outline 
says, after a mysterious crash of a commercial airliner, Sam and Dean are called in by a family friend to investigate. Um, <laughs> I want to call Jerry a family friend. Well, kind of is, I guess. Yeah, it just says he works at an airport in Katasawa. Is that it? Katasawa? I think. Is that and he's that? also friends with the Sounds pilot yeah. of the and crashed he's, airplane. That's he's right. friends with the the guy who was piloting the plane that crashed. Yeah. But he doesn't say what he actually does. Um, I don't think it's ever clear what he actually does. Um... Lord, but it's not what I stay up right. But I like him. I like him. I think he's a good. He's a good character. The the actor does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um. So the boys. The boys go to meet with Jerry, and he explains how what happened with the plane crash to him. He also mentions that John not only, like, told him that Sam is at college, but talked about him all the time and was very proud of him, which is. Something that really surprises Sam. Yeah. Uh, but I guess John... I guess. John is not the most, um... Best father. He's not my favorite. I Well, okay, I love him as a character, but I would argue that he is a not a great dad. Yeah, other fans... Definitely. <laughs> other fans would argue otherwise, but in my personal opinion, based off of what the boys canonically have gone through the stuff that they've dealt with as a result of John. Like, I'm not a fan of John as a father. I like him as a character. I think he's a very interesting person, but I don't think he's a great dad. He's not the best father, no. <laughs> Dean is very defensive of him in the early seasons, but as he as he ages, he comes to see more and more of his father's flaws. Yeah. So. Which is, I think, refreshing. Because Sam... And meanwhile, Sam is very, like, antagonistic towards his father and comes to see a little bit more of what his father was struggling with as he gets older. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. But yeah, I don't know what Jerry's job is, but he works with planes and somehow has access to the final flight recordings of the plane that crashed. So, which has some weird distortion at the end of it, which we'll find out later is EVP. So an EVP? Electronic from, voice phenomenon. From the first episode. <laughs> so, Sam gets right on, he's right on top of it, though. They want passenger manifests, they want a list of survivors, there are seven survivors, uh, and he wants to, he and Dean want to see the wreckage, but the wreckage is locked up in a warehouse, and then we cut to, uh, like a copy store? I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like a, an off-brand Kinko's. Um, I think it's funny that they go and print their fake IDs there. Like, no one's ever suspicious of that. I I don't know. (laughs) I think it's funny that Sam says, Homeland Security? That's pretty illegal, even for us. Like, did you not know what he was doing in there? Like, what did you... What did you think he was doing? (laughs) Maybe he didn't realize he was going to do Homeland Security. Maybe? It's just funny, because, like, you know that they discuss this. Like, because... Like, Sim had to have known that Dean was going in there to make fake badges. Did Dean just not decide it was Homeland Security who was already in there? Like, I don't understand. I don't don't know how Sam didn't know what Dean was doing. Um, But (laughs) he didn't, apparently. 
I guess they, they needed to find a way to explain to us that they were going to be impersonating Homeland Security agents. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, it, it kinda, sounds kind of dumb, because, like, Sam, what have you been doing in the car the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> so, but Sam found EVP on the recording, um, and a creepy voice saying, no survivors. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because there have been survivors. Yeah, seven there were survivors. seven of them. There were seven survivors, which I noticed the number seven because seven has um, biblical hmm. significance. Uh, well, it's like a the magic s- number. Yeah, six is the devil's number. You know, seven is uh, kind of the opposite. Yeah, let me. So the number seven. Uh, is associated with a great deal of symbolism and religion. Uh, considered lucky in Western culture. Um, but like it's you see seven a lot. Seven deadly sins. Seven heavens. Seven days in a week. Seven colors in the rainbow. Seven seas. Seven continents. Like the number seven pops up a ton in just general like world. Apparently, there's. Um, and, like, looking back, I realized that, too, like, you, in the Harry Potter books, she uses seven so much. Yep, yep, seven <laughs> is a very big number. Seven days of creation. Seven horcruxes? Seven horcruxes, yeah. Seven um, years of Hogwarts. In, yeah. in, uh, in Pharaoh's Dream and the, the Joseph of Egypt story, uh, there are seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. You know, stuff like that. All throughout the Bible, seven loaves. Seven wonders of the ancient world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Seven was considered a god number in ancient Egypt. (laughs) Yeah. Because Pharaoh usually ordered things in groups of multiples of seven. So yeah, seven is a prominent number in a variety of religions. Christian Uh, religions, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism... Astrology, all sorts of stuff, yeah. So seven's a pretty big number, so I find it interesting that seven is the number of people who survived. Even in music, seven pure notes is a diatonic scale. Oh, yeah. Interesting. There is. So, but the boys are discussing the possibilities. They think it's probably, they're leaning towards a haunted plane at this point in time. This is where that was used seven, if that's considered like a lucky number. Mm. Well, it's seven people who survived. That is true. So. Hold up there and find out that it's after the survivors. <laughs> that, yeah, that there weren't supposed to be any survivors. Um, but Sam mentions phantom travelers who are, like, ghosts that... That's the first time I've heard of this. Yeah. I did a little research on it. So, phantom travelers, if the page will load are the ghosts of humans or animals which haunt travel route stations and vehicles. They're universal in folklore and legend and are associated with tragedies that have occurred in the course of travel. So an example of phantom travelers would actually be um, the Flight 401 story that Dean mentions, which I'd never heard of, which makes sense because it was, it was way before my time. But um, a plane... In 1972, crashed 
into the Everglades. Flight 401 smashed into the Everglades at 225 miles per hour at 11.42 on December 29th, 1972. Hmm. Um, so, altogether, 101 passengers and crew perished. Somehow, 75 people survived. At the time, it was the highest death toll of any single plane crash in the continental U.S. Um, and then a year and a half later, numerous employees reported seeing the ghosts of the pilot and co-pilot on other Eastern flights, which was the company. Flight attendants claimed to have seen the co-pilot's reflection in an oven door in the galley. An attendant uh, opening an overhead bin saw the pilot's face staring back at her. So it came out... Um, where did it go? Do, do, do. Um, where did the thing go? The details go. Okay, at some point it emerged that Eastern reportedly salvaged parts from Flight 401. Uh, and many of these parts were fitted onto another aircraft, 318. Coincidentally, most of the ghost sightings occurred on aircraft 318. So, that's that's the 401, Flight 401 that Dean talks about. But, the boys decided to go talk to survivors, and Sam wants to talk to Max Jaffe first, who I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. He's the guy who made eye contact with the demon. Yeah. Um, he lives in the area. For starters, and uh, Sam spoke with Max's mother, who told him that Sam checked himself into the Riverfront Psychiatric Hospital. So, the boys go to there, and they question Max about what he saw on the plane. He insists that he didn't see anything, even though he's the one who checked himself into the hospital, because he thought he was crazy. (laughs) So... The voice pressed further and he explains that he saw a man with black eyes open the emergency exit at the rear of the plane, which he knows is impossible because there's, he says there's like two tons of pressure on the door. I did a Google and I can't find an exact number for the amount of air pressure on a plane door from the exterior, but it's a lot. Um, The smallest number I found was 1200. So it's, it's a lot. Um, Sam asks if the guy looked like a, if the, the man looked like a mirage, because he's still thinking it's a ghost, but mm-hmm. <laughs> the way Max looks at him, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? No, it was another passenger. It was the guy who sat in front of me. Wait, this is sure you should be in this hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> so they find out that the guy who actually opened the emergency door and depressurized the cabin and crashed the plane was George Phelps. Because uh, Max mentions that it was a passenger that sat in front of him. Yeah. So, so Sam looks on the manifest. Ma- the manifest. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the boys go to Phelps's home and meet his wife, where it's revealed he was a dentist, uh, and he was terrified of flying. They were married 13 years. This is where Sam asks... <laughs> If she noticed anything strange. And she says he had had acid acid reflux, reflux. if that's what you mean. And as someone with chronic acid reflux, it just made me cackle. I also have (laughs) acid reflux. We're both the worst. That's out of the ordinary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So they got nothing. 
Dean really Dean still wants to look at the wreckage of the plane. So Sam says they're if they're gonna go undercover, they have to look the part. Finally dressing up to look the part. Yay! The this is time. the first time we get to see the boys dress up to go undercover. I don't know why they thought that might not be handy earlier, but well, because they haven't really done anything that has it's an official uniform, I guess. Like, do fish and wildlife guys wear an official uniform? I don't know. They pose as FBI agents. When? In the first episode. They pose as, um, state marshals. Yep. I think the first episode is FBI agents. No, it's state marshals. You sure? I'm pretty sure. Huh. Alright. Um, because then the actual marshals. Oh, no, then the FBI shows up. Yeah. And the marshal, I think. The FBI shows up in the first episode, but they don't pose as FBI. Hmm. They do pose as journalists. They do that a lot. Okay. But I, I'm pretty sure they're marshals in the first episode. He's I like, say, like, that's the, the he job. He says something have. like, aren't you guys pretty young to be fill in the blank? To be marshals. Okay. Yeah. And Dean do. says, that's mighty kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a little bit of that southern accent that Jensen's got. Just a little. Jared and Jensen both talk. They've, like, gentrified their accents so they don't have heavy southern ones, but sometimes it slips out. <laughs> Jared says y'all a lot more than Jensen does. But, yeah, they get they get in their suits. I think they look very nice. Sam says Dean looks like a seventh grader at his first dance. I think they're both adorable. Uh, funny. They had a bit of a music change here. Originally, the song as they exit the store and head to the warehouse is par- was Paranoid by Black Sabbath, but they had to change it to Riot Time by Power Man 5000 for Netflix. <clears throat> What's my voice doing? It's leaving you. Thanks. But, yeah, this is the boys go to the, the warehouse full of the airplane wreckage. I really like this set. Yeah. The airplane wreckage set looks awesome. Kind of like a secret hidden military bunker where they're like yeah, it's a really investigating it's a UFO really great set. <laughs> the the um production designer really outdid himself with that set. Um, so this is when Dean pulls out what looks like an old Walkman, uh, and explains it's an EMF meter that he made out of a Walkman, which is so cool. It's like Sam gives him shit for this. And it makes me mad at Sam, because Dean cool is so proud of his, he's so proud of it, and he gets a little, like, bummed, because Sam's not, doesn't think it's equally as cool, but, like, Dean, that's fucking that's cool. Pretty impressive. Like, he took something that's not an EMF meter and turned it into an EMF meter, and on top of that, he now has something he can carry around and look for signs of EMF in public spaces without being without, weird. Yeah, without looking too weird, which he actually does later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Like, he can put on his headphones so other people can't hear the EMF meter squealing, and, like, like it's genius. It's really smart. I love Dean's a smarty. So, Dean starts scanning the wreckage, and it lights up, the EMF meter lights up on the handle of the emergency door, where Dean scrapes some stuff off on his fingernail, and then wipes it on Sam's jacket. Did you notice that? No. It's so funny, while Sam's, like, scraping some stuff on into a little jar, I don't know where he got the jar, with a knife, Dean is wiping his fingers off on Sam's suit. It's really funny. Such a brother thing to do. It really is. But this is when the real Homeland Security shows up. Mm. 
They're like, hey, your buddies are already in there. How <laughs> Which many? I love. Do, how many uh, officers do we yeah, need? Yeah, he's here? like, how many Homeland Security agents does it take? But dude, because there are two of you already here. And they get to give him the force. Like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. Their <laughs> instant realization of oop. So, but the boys have already escaped out the back door. <laughs> I love, I love that bit. It's just like you see the door close and then they run in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love the bit the boys have already like they're outside mm-hmm. and they like peek around the corner and like trying to walk casually and then the alarm starts going off and they just, off. And they just book it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, they get away though. And we go to a lounge of some kind. I guess it's like a small, like private airfield or a based on an at an airport where they keep the private planes or the small two person planes. Mm-hmm. Um and we meet Chuck, the pilot from flight um four is it four oh one? Nope, four oh one's the real life one that crashed. Flight Where did it go? Twenty four eighty five. So this is the guy who crashed who was Flying the plane when it crashed the first time. Chuck is going to attempt to fly for the first time since the crash. Um, he's bringing his friend with him. Uh, and after his friend leaves him to go, like, make sure the plane is ready, I guess. What what happens? Chuck is possessed. We get another weirdo black particle cloud. Going after the survivors. Yep. Uh, back in Jerry's office, did you notice what Sam's shirt collar was doing? No. Oh, boy. This is all the part I was getting distracted. Let me find you you a gif of what Sam's shirt collar was doing, because it was great. Um. (laughs) Like a 70s collar? What's going on here? They're still in their suits. And Sam's loosened his tie and put his shirt collar outside of his suit jacket. And I don't understand why. The time my roommate walked in, she's like, when was this filmed? 2005. She's like, Sam's got that skater boy boy haircut that I loved on boys back in 2005. (laughs) Like, yes, he is. It's so funny. I don't know what the thought process was. For that shirt collar thing, though. It's so that funny. That screams 70s to me. <laughs> it's so bad. We'll have to include a gif in the show notes. It's so bad. Okay, but Jerry has a microscope and somehow knows that this is sulfur, the stuff from the wreckage. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he knows that it's sulfur. Um, That's how we get the connection of sulfur with demons. Yeah, yeah, which is something that will come up again and again, and there's we literally a point. a demon yet, right? No, but this is what clues them in. Yeah. That sulfur is linked with stuff like demonic possession. There will be a point in the show where I will probably ask you where the fuck is the demons getting the sulfur from. Like, because it's, like, neatly piled up on, like, ed- but next to a door frame or something oh, like that, and I'll be like, are they, they just carrying it around in a little snack baggie and then dumping it out? I have the impression that, like, superiors when they kind of materialize. I don't think they just carry it around and dump it. But it appears, <laughs> but, like, Chloe has to sneeze it. Um, in this case, it makes sense, because it's on the door handle that the demon used his abilities to open. Yeah. But, the, are you good, Chloe? 
<laughs> she has this nieces. <laughs> Later Nephew. in the series, when the boys find sulfur, it'll just be like a neat little like, yeah. pile of yellow powder. Like on a windowsill. And yeah, I'm always just no like, sense. are they carrying it around in sandwich baggies? <laughs> like, what is happening? It's <laughs> so funny. But, yeah, yeah. So this is where the demonic possession first gets brought up. Because uh, it would explain how George was so strong. But the boys have never heard of possession like this before. Uh, this is when we go back to Chuck and his friend. Um... Chuck is acting like George did at the beginning of the episode. No more fear of flying. Yeah. Well, he had an apprehension of flying, as he said. Yeah, he was, because he crashed the fucking plane. He had PTSD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no more apprehension about flying. And they get up in the air, and we get a second fucking dad joke. Does he make the same it's, joke? He makes the goddamn same joke. That's even a really like that joke. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so dumb. I, it's he's so like, dumb. He heard it once. He's like, "Oh, he I gotta use that." He has in the air, and then he says, "Time really does fly." And then he puts the plane into a dive, and we get the the most dramatic zoom of his on Chuck's face. Did you catch that? Again, this is the whole part that was distracting. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, but yeah, it's the plane. As he's putting the plane into like a dive, we get this zoom <laughs> on his face. It is just, it's so dramatic. It cracked me up. Chloe, are you okay? You having allergies? Why are you are sneezing? You making yourself sneeze from the fur? She's so funny. But yeah, we go back to the uh, to the boys' motel room. We're back to I say like we've been to this motel room before. I think it's a different motel room. And the boys Probably. are researching demons. They have their serial killer wall. Uh, and Sam has. Learned a bit about demons, a bit more explains that they appear in some form in almost every culture and religion in existence. Uh, and then he says that according to Japanese beliefs, certain demons are behind certain disasters, both natural and man made. One causes earthquakes, another causes disease. So they are dealing with a demon that causes plane crashes. Um, the wiki calls this the destruction demon. <laughs> Which I think is funny. Destruction I, demon. Destruction demon. Uh, demon's basically just doing it for the fun of it. Or a disaster demon. That's what the wiki calls it. It's a disaster demon. Which just cracks me up. Um, I find really that very called. funny. <laughs> yeah, because this whole time I was trying to... Like, what's the motivation of the demon for doing this? Just fun. A, a demon, I guess. Yeah, fun. But this is this is the first uh time in the episode this is the first moment of Dean showing some real fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam explains that this is a this is likely a you know, a, a demon that causes disasters, you know. Uh because he he Dean says this isn't our normal gig, and he says that he wishes that their dad was there. Which is an understandable feeling for the boys to be having. They've never dealt with a demon like this before. Especially, I think it's natural instinct when you're scared of something to go for, like, your parents for comfort or someone who's more experienced, you know? 
for sure, but the boys have never dealt with anything of this proportion before, and they're both obviously probably feeling some trepidation over whether they'll be able to handle it on their own. But do we want to talk a little about demons? Sure. Supernatural's lore on demons will, like, change, shift a little over the seasons, and we'll get deeper into it as we experience more and more demons, but figured we could go into the real-life stuff. So what did you find for us, babe? Uh, yeah, I just, there's a lot on demons. (laughs) So much. Um, I had to research demons for my, I have had to research demons for my TV show that I'm writing. And oh my god. There's a lot of stuff. There's so much. It's just in so many different cultures. Yeah. Um, and each culture has kind of a different take on it. Um, but I'll just kind of mostly mention, because Supernatural is kind of based on Christian religion. Um, so according to Wikipedia, demon is a supernatural being typically associated with evil, um, prevalent historically in religion, occultism, literature, fiction, mythology, and folklore, as well as in pop culture. Um, in ancient Near Eastern religions and in the Abrahamic traditions, including ancient and medieval Christian demonology, a demon is considered a harmful entity which may cause demonic possession, calling for an exorcism. Um, in other um, cultures, a demon is believed to be a spiritual entity that may be conjured and controlled. Um, we'll kind of see that later in the season, actually, with Meg. Oh, I know a little bit, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're a part of many different cultures, folklore and religious beliefs. And in some cultures, they aren't always considered evil beings, depending on the culture, such as the ancient Greeks didn't really believe them to be evil. Hmm, interesting. I didn't know that. Even Wikipedia mentioned that there are some instances in the Bible where, where God was kind of able to control demons and have them do his bidding as well. So That's... Oh. Guess you don't just need to beat the devil to control demons. <laughs> That's interesting. All but right. God has the power to also uh, control demons, according to the Bible, so... I did not there's know some that. interesting facts. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's tons and tons of demon lore. That's tons just barely scratching the surface, oh, yeah. too. So there's so much. You can definitely go into it more if they appear later on. Yeah. But this is when Jerry calls uh, to tell the boys about Chuck's plane crashing. Dean makes a joke about the fact that he died in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Which is <laughs> <laughs> a terrible joke, Dean. Uh, but the boys drive to Nazareth and confirm that the sulfur is present in the the wreckage, uh, so it was also caused by the demon. Um, Dean thinks or suggests that Chuck was the link between the two crashes because he was in both of them. But Sam has noticed that both flights went down exactly forty minutes in, with forty being a biblically significant number, just like the number seven. Forty days and forty nights. There's the story in the New Testament where Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days and is tempted by the devil or something. I don't remember all the yeah. details of that, but the number 40. So like he um, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? Yeah, yeah. The the yeah. flood, the stuff like that. So the number 40 comes up a lot in biblical lore, just what the boys do explain. Um, Dean says the number means death. I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> I think that's a little dramatic. But yeah, the number 40 is a prominent 
big biblical number enough that like people recognize it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Huh, a lot of playing on numbers. Yeah. Didn't yeah. notice that when I, I watched it. <laughs> Uh, Sam says he's found six other plane crashes in the last decade that all went down exactly 40 minutes into the flight with no yeah. survivors until flight 2485. Hmm. I think that's the number. 24, I think so. <laughs> so this paired with Chuck's death is kind of a clue to the boys that the remaining survivors are in danger. One thing in like human folklore too is they do tend to like to mock um biblically significant or like lucky numbers. Do they? Yeah. Well huh. sort um like they'll often like knock three times or leave three scratch marks, which is a mocking of the Holy Trinity. Mm, yeah. So maybe that had something to do with that. That too. makes sense. Alright. So the boys uh the boys would try to track down all the survivors. Sam it calls them from the car. He's making sure that none of them have any plans to fly anytime soon. <laughs> I wouldn't have any plans no. to fly anytime soon. I'd be I'm driving everywhere. <laughs> I'd be driving everywhere for the rest of my life if I was in a plane crash. Uh, but that leaves the the only one they can't get a hold of is Amanda, the flight attendant. Um, and the boys are are driving to Indianapolis, where she's going to be flying out of. At 8 p.m., but it is a five-hour drive, uh, and it's already night. <laughs> I don't know. Time flies. Uh, it's a five-hour drive. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sam says it's a five-hour drive, but it's already nighttime. So it's nighttime at 3 p.m. Okay. I'm assuming they're about five hours away. In Alaska. <laughs> I don't They're in Pennsylvania. Um, but they need to drive to Indianapolis. Um, if you have the DVD for this scene, you get Working Man by Rush. But on Netflix, it's Hunger by Stiff Kittens. Um, the boys the boys arrive at the airport 30 minutes before the plane boards, and I want to know how many traffic laws did you break? How many? Gotta be a lot. <laughs> so many. Oh, <laughs> uh, but Dean's first plan A is to call Amanda at the gate from a courtesy phone, which I have never seen. But I did a Google and I found a 2017 article about them still being a thing in airports. It, air, it was an article about an airport replacing pay phones with courtesy phones, so you can like, yeah, they're like a. I think they're like a post nine. 11 kind of things so that if you're outside security and you need to contact someone who's yeah. past security you it's probably can... used more for like the workers I bet yeah I think it is but I don't I don't know for sure I asked in the disc in the one of the discords I'm in if anyone had like that knew what a courtesy phone was and if that was still a thing and nobody responded so don't know uh, but Dean pretends to be a doctor calling about her sister, claiming said sister was in a car accident. <laughs> but Amanda just got off the phone with said sister and knows she's safe at home. <laughs> so she decides that Dean must be a friend of her ex, who's trying to get her to talk to him, but it <laughs> it kind of works. Because he's like... Since Dean just goes along with he the just, story. <laughs> he just goes. Jackie like, doesn't want to go. Huh? Yep, yep, that's, that's exactly right. We're... 
Victor's friend or whoever. I think it's Vince. Vince, yeah. I think. I'm not sure. But yeah, Dean's real good at running with it. Yeah. I love the way Sam, like, dances around Dean this whole scene trying to hear. (laughs) Dean's, like, got his... Got the phone to his left ear, and so Sam's on that side, and then Dean switches it to his right ear, and Sam has to come around so he can listen. It's so funny. They do something similar at the end of the episode. I got it so early 2000s. It might have convinced her to get so... back together with Vin. Though. Vince? Vince, yeah. She called him Vin. She might have, yeah. She might have gotten convinced to get it. softens up it. She's like, oh, he's a mess? I'll call him back when I land. (laughs) Yeah, I'll call him when I land. It's cute. (laughs) It's cute, but I'm assuming this Vince guy is kind of a dirtbag. Based off the way she talks about him, but... Um... Just... Uh... Spell-checking my, um, notes here. So, so no one's gonna read Amanda. Shush. <laughs> Amanda gets ready for the flight, and we get another shot of the beam in an event. Yeah. So Plan B. <laughs> well, Plan A didn't work. It's time for Plan B, which is to actually get on the plane. <laughs> and this is when Dean starts to panic. This well, is such a great about little to get scene. On a potentially failed flight, so do you blame them? <laughs> no, no, but it's really cute. This is why I drive everywhere. <laughs> I love that line. It's never really been an issue until now. Why do you think I drive everywhere, Sam? <laughs> I, love like, I love that. I love that. I like I like flying. I like driving. I'm kind of... I, I don't mind either way. I am less afraid of flying, I, sh- I should say, than I used to be. Yeah. But I I love the way this scene plays out. I think it's really cute and really well done. The fun little brother moment. Yeah. It's not too like bantery. Like this time you know. Sam has to pump Dean Dean up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sam Sam offers to go on the flight alone, but Dean's not gonna let that happen. So mm-hmm. we get the boys on the plane. Uh Dean is very tense. Um, and he hums some Metallica, specifically some kind of monsters, once the plane is in the air. They have 40 minutes to find the demon and exercise it using the two-part spell that Sam finds talks about later. But Dean decides he's gonna go talk to Amanda to try and, like, get a read on her mental state and check to see if she's already possessed. He suggests holy water. <laughs> yes, it was. It was indeed my stomach. Dean, <laughs> I'm good. Dean suggests using holy water to see if Amanda is possessed or not. Uh, but that would mean splashing, splashing a potentially water. not possessed person in the face. <laughs> so Sam takes the water and tells him to say uh, Christo instead because demons flow to the name of Christ. Something I he noticed. Says the name of God. First the of name all. of God, but yeah. But then he says Christ in Latin. Yeah, like I, it's Christ that's and God I noticed. are two separate names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something else I noticed, though, I noticed it later on in the episode, um, is that I don't know, is that Sam specifically says it use the Latin version, which is Christo, and the Latin version of Christ is Christo with a with an H. It's just Christ with an O on the end of it. But in the Netflix subtitles, they use the Spanish version, which doesn't have an H. Which, like, I found very funny only because Sam specifically says use the Latin version. 
And then they put the Spanish version in the subtitles. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. It made me laugh. <laughs> so, but I was not watching with subtitles. So. <laughs> I was because I have potential undiagnosed ADHD, and I can't understand movies and TV shows if there are no subtitles. But uh, yeah, Dean goes to talk to Amanda. He tells her he he tells her he's a nervous flyer, uh, and she okay, one thing I was gonna remark though. I'm pretty sure people aren't allowed to just go walk in the back and talk to the flight attendants in their little area. I, well, because usually the little area is right next to the bathroom. I guess that's true. So, if the flight attendant's back there, like, you can't go back and talk to them if they're, like... In their little room. I think there's a little room. I don't I don't actually know. Will someone... No, they, they have little rooms that they have their Do own seatbelts in and stuff. So yeah, when... so if they're, like, back in there... Yeah. I mean, I think... I. It, does, it wouldn't make sense to not be allowed to talk to them, though, because they're literally the flight attendant. True. They're there, like, if something's wrong on the flight and you need their help. I thinking maybe he was in the flight attendant room. I don't know if you're room. allowed to go in, but no, they're just, yeah, he's just in the little back section that, like. Is there normally a curtain in front of, like, the bathroom? I think it depends on the plane. I don't know. Yeah, it's just ever since, like, 9-11, like, airport security is very strict about you, like, walking around the plane and, yeah. like, hanging around. Especially, like, the pilot area. Yeah. But he's not at the pilot area, though. He's at the back of the plane. That's true. I've actually seen flight attendants tell people to sit down before when they're hanging around there. Yeah. But, yeah. Dean says he's a nervous flyer, uh, which is true. And she admits that she is a little bit of a nervous flyer, too. But she says she's not going to let it hold her back. Dean was impressed. Yeah, he seemed genuinely impressed with her, which he also says, I think she's the most well-adjusted person (laughs) on the face of the planet, which is, he may be right. (laughs) Like, oh my god. The end, just, you know, maybe you should have gone, you cooked so naturally in the conversation. (laughs) He just leaves it at the end. Christo. (laughs) He's like, Christo? And she's like, what the fuck? He's like, Christo? chill, a little suave, you know. Never mind. <laughs> be easy to talk to, which is awkward as fucking adorable. She's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah. Dean says, uh, tells Amanda, or tells Sam that Amanda's in the clear, and then he starts to panic when the plane hits some turbulence, which is... I love that, because like, his reaction is literally mine. He's like, this cannot be normal. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Um, me every time Sam gets Dean to take some plane. deep breaths. Which I love. And then he explains the exorcism he found. Um, so, which has two parts. One, to expel the demon from the vessel it's possessing. And then a second, to send it back to hell once and for all, as Sam says it. Um, this, oh, is no, the, no, that's not- <laughs> this is the only time the boys ever use this, this exorcism. Uh, they switch to a shorter one-part spell that accomplishes both tasks. Mm-hmm. But... Not I, once and for all, though. It's not, yeah, it's not once and for all. The demons come, they can come back. They yeah. can get their way, they can get out of hell again. If they're summoned, <laughs> if they just make it out on their own. So, I was wondering, what do you think about, do you think it's the, I, I was having trouble just, like, trying to figure out, is it just backward floor that wasn't fully fleshed out? That, that, um, this spell is permanent, but the oh. other spell isn't, or something? Like, does the exorcism have to do with them? 
being able to come back or not. I don't I don't think it would, but it's probably just so early in the season they didn't know yeah. how much they wanted to use demons, maybe. I guess. It, you know. Ended up working out for the plot to bring them back, I guess. So they just kind of Yeah. Passed over that. I guess it yeah. But they needed them to be able to come back later. <laughs> well good thing is is like there's lots and lots of demons. So it's just specific demons that come back, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I do not know. I would love to hear listeners' thoughts on this matter, because I I, I don't even know what like, my brain is confused about. It's probably just a continuity error. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I'm probably overthinking it. <laughs> but the boys need to, in order to use the exorcism, though, the boys have to figure out who the demon is. Q. Dean walking down an aisle, the aisle of a plane with his EMF meter. EMF uh, Walkman. With his EMF Walkman. <laughs> and then Dean startles him and says they have 15 minutes left? Like, what have they been doing for 30 minutes? Chilling. I don't understand. So, which is when the EMF meter lights up and Dean sees the co-pilot stepping out of the bathroom. This is a little bit of a continuity error because um, earlier... In the episode, I have a hair on my sleeve that's bothering me. Earlier in the episode, the EMF meter doesn't light up until Dean is right on top of the door handle of the plane. I swear to God, I shed like Chloe. I, I shed a lot. Um, <laughs> it, it, it like kind of like is like doing a little bit of chirping as he goes along, like a normal amount for a plane crash, I guess. And then he gets, like, basically right on top of the door handle and it starts going crazy. Mm-hmm. But Dean is a solid, like, six feet away from the pilot right now. Like, maybe not six feet, but he's at least, like, I think he's not even all the way to the front of the rows of the plane. And the pilot is, like, coming out of the front bathroom going back into the cockpit. So there's, like at least a cup a row or two more of people plus that space for the flight attendants to stand slash sit at the front hmm. between him and the pilot. So why is the EMF meter, is it just because it's the actual source material and not the... I have no idea, honestly. I, I don't... My brain got stuck on that. <laughs> <laughs> this is also where I noticed that they were using the Spanish version of Cristo, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> But, I mean, the, the co-pilot steps out and he looks at Dean and he's got the black eyes. Well, he, he smiles at Dean and then Dean says, Cristo. And then you see the black eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that part. Like, so... He's just flashing his black eyes at everyone? <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what the, he did the first time. In the he kind of did, huh? But he didn't expect anyone to survive that plane crash. Hmm. And this one... That's, I, that's why I was wondering, like, do early demons not able to hide their eyes as well, or what? Or is he just so. like creeping people I out? I think he just likes to be creeping people out. <laughs> yeah, but this is the boys now know who the pilot or the who the pilot is, who the demon is. The boys rush to uh, ask Amanda to help them. It's actually the co-pilot, I guess. Yeah, it's the co-pilot. Um, they explain. They know who she is, they know something was wrong with flight 2485, they know something's wrong with this flight. Um, she starts to, she's kind of like, what the fuck? And then they explain that Chuck is dead, 
And Sam says that she has to have sensed that something is wrong on this plane. Uh, and she admits that on flight 2485, she saw the man with the black eyes. Mm-hmm. So, which, so the boys send her to get the co-pilot to come to the back of the plane. Uh, she, she does. does. Very easily. <laughs> I mean, she's a flight attendant and he's a co-pilot. I don't know if she says, hey, there's something in the back of the plane. Hey need you to take a look at or whatever. Like This is also the demon, too. He's being very easily um, manipulated, I feel I like, guess, demon. I guess, but he went, so, Dean said Cristo, and then he went back into the cockpit, so he doesn't know they went back, but I guess he would have seen that they weren't, like, in their seats. I don't know. He would he have is... been suspicious if someone said Cristo to him. Right? Yeah. Or someone on the plane's trying I guess he's probably just him. overly confident in his own abilities. He was in the perfect position but that Dean, no one could get to him. Yeah. And he easily just comes out <laughs> very Well, he has to... He also has to maintain his cover with everyone else on the plane, though. Just because yeah. Sam and Dean know that he's a demon doesn't mean that he can reveal that he's not who he's... You know, and yeah. start acting weird around everyone else. He's got, he's got to keep he his cover. He has 40 minutes yet, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's important to him for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where the pilot <laughs> the pilot comes with a curtain and he just decks what? him. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes him down. But then he doesn't yeah, move. Just like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you said you were just going to talk He, to like, him. knocks the pilot down and he's kind of propped up against the door. And then Dean does his move where he, like, grabs the front of the guy's shirt. And then I think he grabs his belt, but it kind of looks like he grabs his crotch. <laughs> I think it's his belt, and, like, picks him up, and then, like, slams him down flat on the floor. Also, does John out from the plane here to notice him? I don't know. <laughs> I guess not, because Amanda's screaming. Yeah, she's also <laughs> screaming. screaming. People will be a little concerned. <laughs> there are passengers, like, two feet away yeah, exactly. on the other side of a curtain. Like, it's not like they closed the door. <laughs> Oh my god. But then Sam keeps wasting time with holy water instead of just doing the exorcism. He's like, here you go, pull for the holy water on him. That, that the holy water is just to make sure that he's the demon. You know? We already know he's the demon. So, <laughs> yeah. Just double checking. Dean also duct tapes the demon's mouth shut, which is <laughs> great. The effect of the holy water is kind of weird. Did you notice this? It's when it's like a wide shot, it's just, it, you know, there's CGI steam that looks. Or smoke that it looks fine enough, but then they do like a weird close-up shot, and there's like three burnt, like pre-burnt yeah. holes with like, like skin, yeah. and they like start bubbling and steaming. And yeah. It's so funny because you can also see the water dripping everywhere else around it. <laughs> it just it looks so funny. It's um, only burning those specific spots. It's so oh, <laughs> it's special. Uh, but yeah, Sam sends Amanda back outside the curtain to make sure no one comes in, so that helps. Uh, and then he starts pouring more holy water on the demon for some goddamn reason, yeah. instead of just getting with the getting to the exorcism. The holy water, maybe. Dean is to... literally saying right then, like, "Hurry up! I can't hold him much longer." And Sam's just like, "Okay, let me do the holy water first. It yeah, doesn't." I have some impression that the holy water is causing them enough pain that might want to leave. So it might be part of the exorcism. I, it's not part of the exorcism, though, because Sam would have mentioned that. They, they just... Might be an they only ever, to get them out. They only ever use the holy water as, like, a weapon against the demon to, like, like torture it or to see if 
make sure someone's a demon, stuff like that. It's not ever part of the actual exorcism process. You don't think it would not in supernatural lure them want to want to get out because they can feel the pain in the body? No, it that I don't know if there's any time throughout the show that ex, that holy water has been used to actually remove the demon from the vessel. What Sam's doing is totally pointless. Then. It is. It is entirely <laughs> pointless. I love right. him. He's very smart, but he is also dumb as fuck sometimes. Um, he starts to use the holy water. He starts doing exorcism, but the demon breaks free. They get him back under control. There's like a whole little fight scene that somehow nobody notices. I don't know. I want to know what was happening with Amanda on the other side of the curtain. She's just like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. And people are like, what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know, man. So I don't know. But yeah. Rough sex in the back. No! Babe! No! demon back under control ish for now sam finishes the exorcism but not before the demon says that it knows what happened to jess that she must have died screaming and that even now she's burning which is something that fucks sam up a little bit yeah also i'm like i said why does this demon have a weird echoey voice because it doesn't happen demon. later on though. nope <laughs> so they changed their mind about how demons sound I guess when they show up again. Yeah. Because it sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah. But they kick the de- the demon out of its vessel, and then it takes over the plane and starts to crash it. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? I could possess this plane instead. This is one of my favorite, like, Sam moments in season one, though, is the book goes flying and Sam has to go get it, and then he just, he, I think he's only, like, well, three or four rows from the back of the plane. But he just, like, sits up on his knees in the aisle and just, like, yells the final part of the exorcism as the plane is crashing. And it should not be that badass and hot, but it is. It looks, it's, it's such a cool moment. I really do like that moment. Uh, we get a little bit of a holy fucking shit. We survived that moment between the boys. And then we cut to the airport. <laughs> I just love all the shots. It's just Dean scream. <laughs> the shots of Dean. <laughs> and he's like, like against the wall. He's just, ah! <laughs> That's so good. I'm like Sandy and totally Sam. I forgot about those. <laughs> made oh my me God, laugh. It's the best. His face was so good. <laughs> just Dean in the corner, on the back of the plane, just Holding screaming. <laughs> While Sam saves the day. It's so good. He's it's just like giving up trying so to scream in his head off. Oh my god. It's oh, it's so good. But yeah, we get a get a short scene at the airport where the co pilot tells the FBI that he while well, I was walking through the airport and then it all went blank and he doesn't even remember getting on the plane. So the first kind of um, explanation we've got for what happens to possessed people that they mm-hmm. completely blank out. Well, it depends on the demon. And like the how much they decide to show them, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. So, um, as the Winchesters head out, Dean, like Sam, kind of like 
off, you know? He's all kind of quiet and angsty like Sam gets, and <laughs> Dean asks if he's okay, and Sam brings up that the demon knew about Jessica, and the demon points out, or Dean points out the demons read minds, and I, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think and that's a power that most, <laughs> most common demons it, don't read minds as far as I'm aware, um, but okay, Dean, uh, and also Almost demons, they you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can read your mind if they possess you, but, um, and Dean also says that demons lie, which is the truth, and that yep. all the demons' words were, was just messing with Sam. Yeah. But. Also says it's convenient that Sam and Dean were the only ones not being questioned by the FBI. <laughs> and the I think, um, I, I feel like they probably did get questioned a little bit and had, like, an alibi, because it sounded like Amanda was, like, finishing up telling covering a lie, you know, yeah. covering for him. She does, so, she does mouth thank you to them. Yeah, she does. But I kind of wonder what Sam... I think Sam's probably wondering, like, if the demon knew that... A de- that like, if the demon knew about Jess, could it be a demon that killed Jess? You know? Because mm. they don't know what killed their mom yet. Yeah, that's kind of the first... It's the first hint, hint yeah. yeah. That's something I noticed, is the first hint at what, what they're actually you know, looking Something for. supernatural that actually knows about their mom and Jess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we go back to Jerry's work. Uh, Jerry thanks him for stopping the demon. It says that John will be proud of him. Which is when Dean asks how Jerry got his number, because he's only had it for, like, six months. Yeah. And Jerry says he got it from John's voicemail, which Sam points out later on the side of the road uh, in the next scene. He said he it's called John's number multiple times and it's been out of service. But Dean calls it, goes straight to voicemail. You know, this is John Winchester. I can't be reached. If this is an emergency, call my son Dean. Mm-hmm. And he'll help you. <laughs> and yeah, he'll help you. The boys leaning their heads together to listen, to both listen to the voicemail. Very cute and very 2005. <laughs> um, but neither of them say anything. You get, we get some, some lingering close-ups we get a lingering close-up of Sam's face, and it's, like, Sam's reaction. Yeah, like, Sam's we really, very emotional. We really kind of, there's a long, not long, but a moment of silence where we linger on Sam's, Sam's reaction to hearing this. First time he's probably heard his dad's voice in a long oh, time, so. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's probably why he got really emotional. That's, I think that's definitely part of it, yeah. I think it also, um, I think it's also clear in that moment that John is alive. And he hasn't made himself available to the boys or contacted the boys on purpose. Yeah. They're they're searching for him. They're trying to help him with his hunt. And he is deliberately avoiding them. And I think it helps them feel kind of validated, too, because, like, John clearly has confidence in them that they'll be able yeah. to handle any I think it's kind tasks. of a, a mixed bag of feelings. Yeah. On the one hand, like, he's... My sons will help you, like, call them, you know? Yeah. I feel like for... I, <sighs> I think for Sam, it's more hurt. It's mm-hmm. more, he doesn't want us with him, even though, like, I have a stake in this fight, too, now, like, for real this time, not just a because everyone says I should, but, uh, you know, and, but for Dean, it's more of a, my dad believes that I can, that we can do this. Yeah. We don't, we don't need him. Yeah. It'd be nice to have him, but we can, we can do, we can it. do it on our own, too. Yeah. So, but I think Dean can see that Sam is frustrated. 
at being shut out of the hunt. But, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really get the vibe that he was, like, offended. I don't know. I don't think he's necessarily offended. Because um, he gets kind of, like, teary-eyed yeah. a little bit. I kind of got the vibe more like, I'm missing my dad type of thing. I didn't get that vibe. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it, To me, it felt more like... Uh, well, you know Sam better than I do. <laughs> yeah. Um... Dean, like, Dean still wants in on hunting the thing that killed his mom, but he's had 22 years to cope with that loss. Yeah. Whereas Sam's loss is still fresh. Yeah. And so the, the, this get revenge headspace is still, like, his primary attitude right now. And so, I think he, he has been, for the last few episodes, he's been very much, why are we wasting time on other hunts? We need to be finding dad. And now... John is saying, in in his own way, without explicitly saying it, John is saying, I don't want you guys with me. I need, I want you guys hunting other things so I can focus on this. Mm. Which, on the one hand, I want you hunting other things. I need you hunting other things so that I can focus on this. There's one part, that part of it. But there's also the, um, I'm going to do this on my own. Yeah. And you guys go do other stuff. Like, you know, I think it's kind of a mixed bag of feelings. Yeah, that's true. But that's where the episode leaves off, though. Why did um, wonder, because Phoebe has a uh, Kansas license plate. Yeah, the boys are from Kansas. Are they? Yeah, Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, okay. (laughs) Did Dean live in Kansas? (laughs) No, they don't live in Kansas, but the boys are from Kansas. They do get an Ohio license plate later on in the show. Um... But, yeah, they, yeah the sorry. original Kansas license plate is okay, because the Impala is from Kansas. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah. Any final thoughts about Dead in the Water or Phantom Traveler? No, I definitely enjoyed Phantom Traveler the more of the two. I think. Yeah, I think we of the two, it's definitely my too. favorite one. Yeah, we definitely have more to talk about, about that one. Um, there's a lot more a lot more to cover in the plot overall and more lore more lore so more meta plot more meta plot stuff well i wouldn't say mm, i would say uh i guess i think the whole demon thing there's more i think um dead in the water has more character stuff more character work with dean specifically whereas um Phantom Traveler doesn't have a whole ton of character stuff, but it does still touch on the meta plot and have hints of other of meta plot stuff. Building on future meta plot. Yeah, it's it's, it's introducing kind of planting... the main villain of a lot of supernatural. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of supernatural. She says about two seasons. <laughs> I, I know enough about supernatural to know that demons are in it. Oh, a okay. Lot. <laughs> I thought you just meant the specific one demon. No. <laughs> um, but. I, yeah, I do think it, it sets the the foundation for a lot of some stuff moving forward. Yeah. And I'll it's got some that. really, it's got some great brother moments. It's, you it's know, a it's a good episode. It's some comedy. It's got some uh, special CGI, but, you know, it, it was 2005. <laughs> this, really is episode, this, is, this is episode four of what at the time was a WB show. <laughs> so. It was better CGI than... 
2005 Doctor Who, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I've shared all my thoughts for this episode. What are we going to be covering next week? We, I believe on the docket. Are we doing another two, two episodes? Another two-parter. I didn't mean to go back that far in my Google Drive. Let me see. What is our episode schedule? I I think it's a solo episode. I think it's it's just Bloody Mary by itself. Okay. So. Bloody Mary, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually so. excited for that one. I want to dive into that war and <clears throat> learn more about it. Yeah, I think that one will be really interesting. And that one's got some good Sam stuff, if I remember correctly. So. All right. So I think that's it for this week. Um, next week we'll be covering episode five, Bloody Mary, which is a very good episode. Very excited about that one. I say that three times in a mirror in a dark <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> I know a guy who watched that that episode in a bathroom at night. That's very ironic. <laughs> which is the worst time and place to watch that episode. So, but. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, should be interesting. Yeah, it definitely should be. So far enough back that this is the episodes I've only watched a long time ago, so. Yeah, we're not get hitting into anything you've watched recently quite yet. Not what I've watched this year yet, no. No. But yeah, I think that is all for today. Uh, if you would like to give us your, your feedback, your thoughts, uh, you Ooh. can find the podcast on Twitter at TalkAboutSamPod, on Instagram at we need to talk about Sam podcast and on Tumblr at we need to talk about Sam. Uh, I'm Little Red Who Could on Twitter and the Little Red Who Could on Tumblr. Hey, Beeb, where can people find you? I gotta look it up again. You gotta look it up again. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm not on Tumblr very much. He's not. No. Um. Uh, well, my Twitter is at life flows on three. It, my Tumblr is hfthoughts-blog. <laughs> Eventually you'll remember that. Okay, I think that is all for this week. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Oh, I forgot to... That, that, that.